The sermon text today comes from the gospel. And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. On Ash Wednesday, Father Sean offered us to see that Lent is the season of spring in our liturgical life, and that we, by our prayers, fasting, and abstinence, strengthen the virtues of faith, hope, and love given us by God through the virtue of our holy baptism. In his sermon for Lent 1, Father Gene reminded us that the devil attacks us in the lusts of our flesh and, the, and, to, and to deaden us to God through the culture of our distraction. He also reminded us that God calls us to be attentive and alert, to seek the fellowship of other believers, and to make good use of the means of grace God provides in his holy church. In a sermon for Lent 2, Father Mark encouraged us to reject complacency, complacency and to embrace perseverance in our devotion to Jesus and our lives together in the church. He said, and I quote, Whatever our present state of holiness happens to be, we urgently need to pursue Jesus, unquote. The context of our passage today takes place in a very large section of Luke's gospel, beginning at uh, chapter 9, verse 51, ending in Luke chapter uh, 19, verse 27. And this passage is called The Travel of Jesus, uh, where he has left Galilee and he's on his way to Jerusalem with his disciples. Now, before they even leave, he sends out the 70 who go out and preach the gospel uh, heal the sick and cast out demons. So as Jesus makes his way on this journey, more and more people hear of him and are expectant to see and hear him. Along the way, uh, in our passage in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 1 and following, they stop at a certain place that we don't know, uh, an unnamed place, where he draws apart to pray. Later, after he finishes praying, one of his disciples says, Lord, teach us to pray as John teaches his disciples to pray. So in that moment, he gave them the most beautiful prayer, our Lord's Prayer of the Our Father. He went on to teach them about praying using parables. And then we aren't sure quite, because this is very vague in terms of place and geography, he could still be where he was with his disciples. He could have moved. But anyway, he's in a certain place we don't know. And uh, in verse 14, from going to teaching about prayer, all of a sudden, he's casting out a demon. And we read in verse 14, he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out of the dumb, uh, he spake, and the people wondered. Now, that's an understatement, I believe. Uh, the people were not just sitting there wondering, oh, what just happened? The word there is amazed, and it's an electric word. I mean, uh, that place must have exploded uh, with anticipation, excitement, uh, fear, wonder. And the, ear, the air filled with that holiness of Jesus also began to be filled with the itchiness of evil opposition. 
Some of them said, he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils. Of course, as Father Gene read in the gospel, there's absolutely no logic to their accusal, to their uh, accusation. And Jesus goes on to tell them that a kingdom divided against itself cannot possibly stand. Now, he also tells them, if I am casting out demons by Beelzebub, what about your sons? Now, what he's referring to there is, in Judaism at this time, exorcism was not a common, but it was a known thing. Uh, there were certain um, uh, Jewish uh, priests, uh, uh, people qualified who were exorcists and they cast out demons. Now Jewish exorcists normally used special coins, little medallions, and they had incantations, they said, sort of a formulaic incantation they would say to drive out the spirit. Jesus had no need or use of such things. He simply by his word commanded that demon to leave and the demon had no choice but to leave. Now, imagine that place. There are people accusing him of being uh, in league with the devil. There are people amazed and wondered at what he's done. There are people who've been hearing him teach and their hearts are full of excitement. This is not uh, a place that I would say would be, uh, I think this is a pretty, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I wrote it. Uh, this is a pretty, um, wanky place. That's not the word I, but it, it's a wanky place because there's so much going on. There's such a cacophony of sound, uh, so much going on. And Jesus there quietly in the midst. Um, but then in the midst of all this cacophony, in the midst of all this noise, above the clamor, a woman's voice rises up declaring, blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. Do you think that might have been an awkward moment? I think things got quiet for some reason. I think things settled down, and all of a sudden there was quiet. Um, so, what do you think um, Jesus responded? How did he respond? Um, actually, what was, he, what was she actually saying to Jesus? Was she speaking to him? No, she was, she was speaking to him, but she was speaking a blessing upon his mother. She was blessing his mother for giving birth and nurturing him through his life. How could such a man of this not have had a good mother? She was so deeply moved by what Jesus had done and said. She spoke in love and respect and she saw something in him that was very fresh and new. Now it turns out that this woman had absolutely no knowledge of his history, his family, or his past. Because what she said is not new. Uh, her, her blessing of Mary was actually a repetition of something that happened earlier in the Gospel of Luke. Remember after um, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, became pregnant. Sometime later, about six months later, the angel Gabriel goes to visit a young woman, a young virgin in Nazareth. Her name is Mary. He greets her. 
she has something of a fearful response and he says, don't be afraid. And he then announces to her she's going to have a child and even though she is not uh, with Joseph in uh, the final bonds of legal holy matrimony, they're still engaged so they're not having a married relationship. She asks a clarifying question, well, how can I get pregnant at this point? Uh, you know, Joseph and I, it's months away. We haven't even planned the wedding yet. He simply says that that which, is, uh, which will be born of you is holy. The Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. Now, Mary immediately goes to see Elizabeth, her cousin. And when Mary greets Elizabeth, do you remember what Elizabeth does? The baby leaps in her womb and she said, I didn't write it down. <laughs> she said, blessed art thou, and blessed art the fruit of thy womb. So this woman, in this place of turmoil, is simply reiterating what's already been said about Mary. Then you think of Joseph. Now this is a good, this is a, a, a Jesus' birth was not normal. Uh, because uh, Joseph was fearful of taking Mary as his wife. And in the first chapter of Matthew, verse 18, we read uh, that the angel said to him, Fear not to take unto thee Mary as thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. For the rest of his life, Joseph devoted all his strength and energy and love to protect and care for his wife Mary and her son Jesus. Jesus was different, he had authority wisdom and understanding of life unlike anyone else she had ever encountered. So, how did Jesus respond to this blessing of her mother? St. Luke, now, Father Sean, I'm going to do some little Greek here. This is actually, it's actually, um, I, I read this passage uh, weeks ago and I'm thinking, because uh, I was reading in a, a contemporary, I read a lot of translations, I was reading it in a contemporary translation and I read it and I thought, Surely this could not be uh, what Jesus meant. The translation I read was, uh, Blessed art the uh, womb that bore thee and the paps that, thou, that, uh, that uh, gave thee nourishment. And then it says, Jesus said, No, no, no. But if you obey God, then you're blessed. And it's sort of what I got from the, the translation I was reading. And I thought, this couldn't be right. Jesus could not be dissing his mother in the Bible. That's not honoring your parents. So I looked into it, and there's a little Luke uh, who uses uh, some Greek words, unlike some of the other disciples, because he's Greek, uses this little compound particle, and it's, it's, it's menon. And what it literally means is, the most, the most uh, clear definition and translation of this little uh, compound particle is yes, rather, yes, rather, not no, but. Um, now, I went to a seminary, I, I, the professors were godly men, uh, they inspired me, uh, they were loving, dear Christian men, but a lot of them were on the committee that translated the NIV version. And uh, in the NIV version, because a lot of these men, sincere in their faith, just, you know, Mary was an issue, Mary was an issue, and we want to make sure that we understand that, you know, Mary's over here, Jesus is over here. The twain shall never meet. And so when they translate it, they use uh, a, a, a third or fourth understanding of this word, uh, 
but rather, no, 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 don't worry about Mary, but rather, blessed are they that uh, hear and obey the word of God. Uh, that's really not what Jesus was saying here. Um, I'd like to paraphrase it for you. So the woman says, blessed are the, uh, is the womb that bore, bore thee and, uh, and uh, the mother who uh, nurtured thee. I think this is what he must have said. Indeed, that is so. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Rather, there's more to my mother's blessedness than the biology of being my mother. Her true blessedness was the result of hearing and believing the word of God spoken to her by the angel Gabriel and then guarding it in her heart her whole life, nurturing and loving that word all her days. That's what he was really saying. Blessed are they that hear and guard the word of God. Now, a little bit later, uh, uh, Jesus says, uh, rather, blessed are they that hear and in many translations obey the word of God. Now, the Greek here, again, I'm, 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 I had to look at this because I had questions. Uh, the word here that Luke uses is not literally the word obey. The word here he uses is the word to guard. And that does include obedience, uh, caring for, uh, uh, watching over, but it also includes the concept of cherishing, of loving, of great value. So this is much more than some transactional, if I hear the word of God and obey it, then something good ought to happen to me. Well, frankly, that's not usually the case. But what I'm getting at here is that our Lord has given us a word, a blessed word of life. And like his mother, because we have been baptized and received the Holy Spirit, and because we are nurtured in the church and nurtured in our fellowship together, nurtured when we receive the body and blood of Christ, nurtured in our everyday lives through our, our prayers, we too, like Mary, can hear and cherish, guard, and live the word of God. We can become blessings to others. We in our own blessedness will become uh, a blessedness to other people. Uh, and so uh, I charge you uh, this uh, Lenten season as we continue in our fasting and abstinence and our prayers, as God continues to mold us and form us more and more into the image of his son Jesus. Remember that as we listen and cherish, obey, and keep the word of God, we too will cause blessing all around us. That's a wonderful thing to consider this Lenten season. And it came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee in the paps which thou hast sucked. And he said, Yes, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and cherish it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.